Wow, well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. My name is Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. I've been looking forward to sharing with you today. Um, hope you'll look in your program and take out your outline and follow along and take some notes. You know, what a great song. Uh, all three services, I heard people around me kind of singing along. Like you guys kind of know that song, right? Uh, that song was recorded in 1965. Can you believe that? People are still playing it today. And just a little trivia about this song. It has been covered by more bands. There's been more bands uh, take this song and record it than any other song in history, over 2,200 cover versions. And uh, it was voted the number one pop song of all time by MTV and Rolling Stone in 2000. And it was performed over 7 million times in the 20th century. So why is this song, this simple song, why is it so enduring? Why is it so popular? I mean, it's more than the nice little melody. It's, I think it's, we connect with the words. We've all suffered heartaches, not just relationally, but disappointments, things that didn't turn out the way we expected. And we've all wrestled with those things, and we can relate to what the Beatles said. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. I mean, can you remember when you were just setting out as a young adult, first time you're leaving home, maybe you're going out to work or go away to college? You remember most of us were pretty idealistic. We think we're going to go out and uh, change the world, make a living, live the life we always dreamed of, and we definitely weren't going to repeat our parents' mistakes, right? We were going to do things better. And we go out, we're so idealistic, kind of like this young guy in the picture right here. <laughs> That's me when I was 20 years old. And, uh, you know, I just remember that, that time, you know, you're thinking, man, everything's so good, everything's going to be great finally out on my own, I'm finally going to do it. And you have all these hopes and dreams, and before you know it, real life hits. Real life hits. And I just want to add before we move on that not too many people can pull off the plaid on plaid like that right there. <laughs> Classic, right? But the first fill in your outline, write this down, is disappointment is inevitable. We think our life's going to be perfect and great. We have all these dreams, and before you know it, we begin to experience disappointment. You say, thanks, Captain Obvious. Yeah, we know things are going to be disappointing, right? But think back to that time. And we still live like we expect things should be better than they are. We still get frustrated when we get disappointed. You know, I, I've been struggling a little bit myself with some disappointment. So that's why I wanted to kind of look at this song through the lens of, man, your disappointments in life, not just your relationships, but your disappointments. I've, I thought we could look at this together and do a little group therapy together today, if that's okay with you. Kind of help each other out. You know, I think about sometimes, you know, my generation, sometimes they like to complain about the younger generation. You know, oh, they have this entitlement mentality. They just expect everything to be given to them. They expect to go and get a job and get a promotion and a raise every year and blah, blah, blah. And, and I hear people talking, but then I think, you know, that's kind of how we raised our kids. We raise them to think the world revolves around them, and they, we try to buffer them from disappointment in life. We don't want our kids to be disappointed. Everybody gets a trophy, right? That kind of mentality. We want to protect our kids. And then even, even more than that, I think if we're really honest, if we look at ourselves, we all kind of live with a little bit of this entitlement mentality. Like, I shouldn't have all these problems. I'm a pretty good person. Why are these things happening in my life? So I don't know, I just lately at a place in my life reflecting on some things. I've been struggling a little more than usual with some disappointment. 
and I thought I would get some help. So I did a little research. I heard that there was this fantastic class. I signed up. I was all eager. I get to the first class, and look what was on the door. <laughs> the How to Cope with Disappointment workshop is canceled. <laughs> How do you think I felt? I was pretty disappointed, actually. I need some help. I thought, well, that's not going to work. And so I said, what does God's Word have to say? Let's look in the Bible. What does he have to say about disappointment? And so we're going to look at a story from the life of Moses. Moses. I think no man put up with more complaining, disappointment, and lack of appreciation than Moses. People questioned his motives. They doubted his decisions. They challenged his leadership. Man, he had it tough. Now, if you know the story of the Israelites, you remember they wound up in Egypt. They became slaves after a while. And they, they kept growing and growing. There were so many of them, and they were being worked so hard, they are crying out to God for relief, to deliver them. There were so many Israelites, the, the Egyptians were taking their baby boys and killing them. And so it was so bad. And then finally God sent Moses. And Moses came at great personal risk. He stood up to the Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at the time, the king of the Egyptians. And he demanded that Pharaoh let go of all these slaves, all this free labor, he said, let him go, and, and Pharaoh refused. And remember the ten plagues, and then finally Pharaoh let him go, but then he changed his mind. He chased him with the army. Remember they got trapped by the Red Sea? All these slaves, they're not an army. They don't have weapons. They got trapped, and God parted the Red Sea, and they, it says they crossed on dry land. Man. And so if you turn to Exodus 15, beginning of Exodus 15, you'll see Man, the people are celebrating. They're singing. They're playing music. They're dancing. They're having a good time. Man, that's a pretty fun church service, right? When you, you'd like to come to church and dance a little bit, right? You don't want to watch me dance, but you'd like to go dance. And they're having a good time. And uh, they're, they, just think about it. They didn't have to lift a finger. God did everything for them. God sent the plagues. He convinced Pharaoh to let him go. He parted the sea. Here they are. They're thinking, man, we got it made now. We're delivered. We're free. Everything's going to be so easy. God's going to take care of things. We've made it now. And I think we hit points like that in our life where we think, oh, man, I'm, I'm set now. Everything's going to be good. But that's not how life works. And look what it says. Then Moses led Israel. This is after their big party. He led them from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. That's what Marah means. Man, three days after all these miracles, now they, they come. This is a couple million people estimated. Here they come to this place and the water's bitter. They can't drink the water. And life is hard. It, it, often, it is often bitter. It doesn't go as easily or turn out the way we expect and that's what disappointment is. It's when reality doesn't meet my expectations. Like my expectations are up here. I have very unrealistic expectations, and then reality is here. It's kind of like when I go golfing, I'm thinking I can shoot a 90, but the reality is really I can only shoot a 96, right? And then you're disappointed. Wow, can't be happy with the 96 because, oh, I could have shot. So, you're not, you know, Pastor Paul, he, we were talking about this this week, and he's really smart. He's teaching a premarital class right now. And all these couples are planning to get married. And he said, you know, most of these couples, they just believe that once they're married, their life is going to be perfect. It's going to be bliss. They're different than everybody else. They don't argue. They don't fight. And so their expectations are sky high, right? Paul says, man, they're headed for some big, this is reality, right? And so Paul tries to beat down their expectations 
to get them lower so they don't hit that big disappointment. So he tries to get it so low that when they finally get married, things are actually better than they expected. Then it's a win, right? I mean, that's smart. It's, we have these high expectations, then we get frustrated, we get disappointed. And disappointment is a very complex emotion. If it's not dealt with, it can lead to bitterness, resentment, anger, can even lead to apathy and just giving up. Why bother? Everything just always going to suck. So let me ask you, what is the Mara in your life? What's the thing in your life that's causing you bitterness and great disappointment? You know, after more than 50 years of life and nearly 35 years of working with people, I found there are three key sources of disappointment in life. I just see it over and over for people. The first thing is your stuff, your stuff, your possessions, the things you have. You know, people's stuff, they get disappointed because, you know, you buy something brand new, you buy a brand new car, you park it in the, in the parking lot, what happens? Somebody scratches your car. Disappointing, right? Oh, look, my stuff is not as nice as it used to be. Or, or you just use something for a while and it starts to break down and wear out and it's just disappointing. And then you look at advertisements, man, marketers make everything look great. You know, internet, TV, uh, magazine ads, it always looks better than they say, how about this poor guy who ordered a kiddie pool? This is what he got. <laughs> ordered his kiddie pool. It was about the size of a shoe. Maybe it wasn't kiddie pool. Maybe it was kiddie pool, like for little kittens. I don't know. But it, yeah, it's pretty disappointing, right? Or how about food ads? Like, man, they show you the burger. looks like the one on the right. Well, my burger always looks like the one on the left. The picture always looks a lot better than what you get, doesn't it? It always looks this big, and then you get it, and it's that big. I'm always disappointed. It's probably good for me it was smaller, but still, I don't like it. And then you, maybe you find this beautiful dress, and you say, oh, I can't afford that, but I bet I can find one on the Internet, and then you order it, and the, and the knockoff just doesn't, just doesn't look like the original, right? It's kind of disappointing, disappointing. I think about, like, my house. I mean, I should just be thankful I own a house in this crazy place. I own part of a house in this crazy place, right? I'm paying for the rest of it. But every room, every room seems like if it's just, it's like they designed it just a little smaller than it needed to be. So the furniture doesn't quite fit. And I find myself a little disappointed, you know. And you get disappointed with your stuff. And then how about life? Number two, life, life, things that happen just tend to disappoint us. Any 49ers fans here remember just back in 2014 in the NFC championship game. The NFC champion, remember that guy? Four, oh, is it three times in a row he threw the ball to Crabtree and Sherman stopped us every time? We lost. We could have won the game. That was, that was disappointing. As soon as that picture went up in the last service, all the 49er fans laughed and groaned. I don't guess we have many 49er fans in here today, but I remember that. Disappointing. But you say, well, that's nothing. I mean, yeah, it's disappointing, but that's just a game. How about something that, that really matters? Well, I, I love this beautiful weather. I love to be outside. But this time of year, I tend to get allergies and post-nasal drainage. So it starts causing me problems. And when I speak, then all this junk's down in here. And you'll probably hear me cough a few times in the service. Wow, that's pretty disappointing for me. Um, Saturday, I don't sleep great anyway. But, but if something's going to go wrong at night, I guarantee you life is going to happen on the Saturday night of the weekend I'm speaking. <laughs> the weekend I'm speaking. So last night... My wife wakes up at 4.30, she gets up, gets back in bed. I'm just finally going back to sleep, and I hear my youngest son's kitten scratching on the door. Woke up, I had to get up and throw a pillow at him. I'm like, man, I was just getting back to sleep. Come on. 
disappointing. Well, maybe you find out you have cancer. You know, I was in the lobby this morning before the first service, and somebody shared with me, they just found out they have cancer. They need a liver transplant. Prayed with them. Yeah, that's disappointing, right? You have all these dreams for your future, now, now you're still on hold. Or you find out one of your kids is, has sick, is sick or has some challenges or has autism, or you find out your spouse wants a divorce, or your company's going to lay you off, or someone you care about died. Man, that's some big stuff, and that's disappointing. Those things start to add up. You know, pastors face disappointment just in our jobs. I mean, we pour into people, so we try to help people. Sometimes people, we try to give them good advice and get back on their feet, and they still make the bad decision again, and they blow up their life. Or we, we see that, you know, we pour into somebody, they start growing, and then they move off into the desert somewhere, like Arizona or Nevada, and then we're like, oh, we're so disappointed. They're gone. Man, they're gone. But you know, one of the things is, we were disappointed for years over in the old building, in, the, in what we're calling the multi-purpose building now, because it was full. And we tried to make space. I would see people sometimes show up after the service started, new people show up with their family. They couldn't find somewhere to sit. And there were a few times I saw people actually leave. And it was so disappointing. Like, they didn't stay and hear the message and maybe have a chance to fall in love with Christ and get connected with God's people. And so we started this plan to build a new building and create more space. And... Um, now we have space, but it, it doesn't seem like we're growing it like we used to quite as much. And we just felt a little disappointed. Pastor Paul and I felt disappointed. We see these stacks of chairs that aren't being used. You know, we have 500 chairs that, for this room, but we, we got about 260 out now. We're like, man, that's disappointing. What happened before? We just had people coming, and w maybe we got comfortable. Maybe we got content with where we are, and we're not sharing and inviting like we were. And I'll just tell you, Pastor Paul and I felt a little disappointed. We want to see the room filled up more like this. Remember at the grand opening where our friends and neighbors came and kind of filled? And it's not because we have some desire that we want to be part of this giant church. We just know there's a lot of people out there that don't know Christ, and it's disappointing when they miss out. We want to fill this place up, and that's why, that's why this summer in cross-training, we've specifically planned some ways to help you naturally invite people to learn how to naturally invite people to church, to share your faith, to get involved, to help us let other people know that they're welcome and loved here, and there's a place for them, and to invite them in. So I hope you'll sign up for cross-training with us. <coughs> Excuse me. But the most, the most disappointing thing, I think, is folks. People don't say folks a lot in California. I mean, in the South, we said folks a lot. That's like your, your folks, your, your close family, your close friends, your, your family friends. And the people that are closest with us, they have a way of, you know, they make life good and great, but also, man, when they disappoint us, it's big. It's just bigger because they're close to us. And they have a way sometimes of letting us down, of breaking our trust, of not coming through, of criticizing us, or maybe they don't follow through on a commitment. And then we get disappointed. And again, you think about Moses. He risked his life for these people. He led them out of Egypt. And what was his reward? I mean, three days after they crossed the Red Sea. It was only three days, only 72 hours. They came to this place with bad water. And look what they said. So the people grumbled against Moses. What are we to drink? Wow, Moses, you really let us down. You brought us out here to this place doesn't have any good water. I mean, they didn't try to help figure it out. They just started criticizing him. 
I'm sure Moses felt pretty disappointed about that. He's like, I put my life on the line for you guys. I left my shepherding career to come here and lead these bunch of grumblers and complainers out in the desert, and now you guys are just grumbling about me. It made me think, so often people, we have such a short memory about what someone has done for us. It's kind of that, what have you done for me lately mentality, and we get disappointed kind of easily with people sometimes. And uh, it's human nature to think that way. You know, I saw a statistic that children, uh, parents provide about 35,000 meals for their kids while they're growing up. Prepare or buy or whatever you do. And make about 40,000 beds. Now, I don't make my kids' beds. I try to make mine most days, but I hope they make theirs. But, but they said, how many times are parents thanked for all those things they do? How many, did they get thanked for 35,000 meals? Did they get thanked for all the rides they gave their kids, all the times they took them to the doctor or to their ball games or whatever? How many times did the kids just take them for granted? How many times did we do that to our parents? <coughs> Excuse me. We tend to forget what people have done. Bosses forget what their employees have done for them. Spouses take each other for granted. Church members take each other for granted. Pastors take church members for granted. You know, kind of made me think, a lot of, mo- most time when I show up here on this campus or the Hayward campus, I like to walk around and talk to the people that show up, some of them show up before I get there, and they're doing things you don't even know about. You know, this morning we had people on the welcome team, they were outside washing off the benches, so if you want to sit down on a bench, it'll be clean, and they were cleaning the lobby, and they were, they were putting out pens, and they were, they were washing the tables, and I mean, they were really cleaning. I, I try to go around and just joke around, thank them, thank them for what they're doing. You know, after the service, there's usually three people every week. They stay after the service while we're all home eating and relaxing. They're, they're counting the money. They're here for a couple hours. They count the money. You don't even know they're here. We don't want you to know they're here. We don't want you to know where they are. <laughs> we're just glad they show up. But I try to go in and tell them thank you because I want them to know we appreciate them. Man, think about people around the church. Who, who's somebody that maybe we take for granted that we need to appreciate? When they let us down one time, we might be real quick to say, well, I can't believe they didn't show up. But think about all the times they showed up. I, I, I think about Miss Jackie over there in children's ministry. She's been playing with our kids since before a lot of us were born. And, you know, Wendy, Wendy that's right, Wendy uh, Rainey's been stuffing programs forever, her taking them home and stuffing them and all the things people do. You know, our tech team that produces the videos back there, you don't even see them back in the video room where they play cards while they're recording a service, right, DJ? Double, double tithe off your uh, gambling winnings. Okay, so, so you, you know, we get disappointed with people, and we need to remember to appreciate them and thank them. But, you know, I got to thinking about it a little more. Who, who disappoints me the most? I thought, oh, man, I wonder who the person is who disappoints me the most. And I managed to get a picture of him. You want to see? Right there. Yeah, that guy. That guy right there. Disappoints me the most. And you know what's even more disappointing? I mean, I don't think I'm all, all that hot looking or anything, but I think I look a little better than that. And then I see the picture, I go, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's disappointing. And here's just some things to represent some of the disappointment that, you know, I wrestle with. You know, when I get busy, the first thing I do is I don't eat healthy, I cut my exercise, I just, I don't take care of myself as well. And so this just kind of represented as a scale. Help! <laughs> Now, you know, because I don't, I'd like to be healthier. I'd like to take better care of myself. I get disappointed. Why didn't I discipline myself better? By the way, that is not a picture of my feet. <laughs> I just want to, I don't use, I don't use pink nail polish. Only green and blue. Only green and blue. No pink. All right. 
Then I think about stuff like my messy office. I mean, just sometimes that picture doesn't do it justice. I go into my office, there's just, I got stuff everywhere and it's distracting. I'm like, man, why, why can't I get it together? And then look at my garage. I mean, that's just <laughs> parking on top of this stuff. It's just kind of disappointing. Disappointing. If I want to be really serious, though, you know what really is disappointing when when I have those moments when I realize, wow, I haven't been a very good father lately, or I haven't been a very good husband today, or man, I really blew it. Why did I get so angry about that? And I get disappointed with myself. I know you guys don't ever struggle with that, but I get disappointed with myself. And here's the key thing. Our response to disappointment makes or breaks us. Write that down. See, you can't avoid disappointment, so how are you going to respond to it? That's what really matters. Disappointment is inevitable. Well, first, I mean, we're living here on this earth. God created this perfect world, but man, we've messed it up with our sin. All of us collectively, it's messed up. So the first thing we need to do when we're disappointed is, number one, don't curse it or rehearse it, but disperse it. Let go of it. I stole that from Rick Warren. I know it sounds like Dr. Seuss, but I stole that from Rick Warren. I just like that his little rhymes to help me remember. Don't curse it or rehearse it. Don't go over and over your disappointments. Just don't dwell on them. Yeah, you need to address them. Maybe there's some things you need to change or work on or fix, but don't get stuck dealing with your, you know, just focusing on those things. You'll drive yourself crazy. You got to let it go. And so look what Moses did. He's a great example for us. He didn't nurse it or, or uh, curse it. Man, what's the first thing he did when he, these people started grumbling against him? He got all, I'm sure he was disappointed. He could have he told them where to go. Go to Egypt. Just get back. Or I'm leaving you guys. I'm going to the promised land on your, my own. But what did he do? It says, then Moses cried out to the Lord. Can you underline that phrase? He cried out to the Lord. He, he talked to God about it. He unloaded on God. And it says, the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. So there's a couple of things here I want to point out. Why this piece of wood? We had this piece of wood laying around on my patio. I don't know why it was laying around, but I thought, oh, we're talking about a piece of wood. Oh, maybe that's why it's been here. God said, Moses, there's a piece of wood over there. Go over and pick it up and throw it in the water. Now, I, don't, I was trying to think, what could the symbol, is there any symbolism in the wood? I couldn't really find any because... There's no wood that's going to be strong enough. You throw in one piece and it purifies water for two million people, right? So I, I was like, I think the purpose was when Moses cried out to God, God gave him a solution and he said, take that wood. But I kind of think of the, you know, throwing it, dispersing it, getting, hey, this is not my problem anymore. It's God's and trusting God to help take care of it. And so Mo, God, Moses cried out and God gave him a solution and, and God said, you know, this is a test. He brought them to Mara to test what was in them. Our response to disappointment reveals our character. It tells us what's inside of us. It tells us what our motivations are. It tells us what our heart's like. Israel's natural response was to complain, gripe, grumble, criticize their leader. They were incredibly immature. We read this over and over in the Old Testament, how many times they responded this way. And I read their story, and, and I think, how could they act like this? And then I go, oh. But, but that's been the story of me at times. And that's been the story of you at times. And they were disappointed. They complained about Moses. They didn't say, what can we do to help solve this problem? Or let's, let's all get together and pray about it. They turned on Moses. But Moses turned to God. 
He turned to God, and he, maybe he complained to God about the people. There's times it's recorded that he did, but God gave him a solution. So he unloaded his heart. You know, I was thinking about Moses was their leader. Maybe sometimes Pastor Paul might disappoint you, or I might disappoint you. Maybe we don't return a phone call, or we don't give you the answer or the attention that you deserve. We're just busy, we're distracted, we, or we flake out, we just blow it. And it'd be easy to get disappointed. Other people show up here from other churches because they're disappointed about their pastor. I'm sure there's some people at other churches that are there because they were disappointed about us. And instead of grumbling and complaining about it and talking to other people, man, you can't believe what Paul did. You can't believe what Dwayne did. Here's what I want you to do. Cry out to God and tell him what jerks we are. Man, you can't believe what Dwayne did. God, he really hurt me. But then say, God, help him. He needs help. Cry out to God. Pray for us. We need it. And then apply that to other people in your life. Pray for them. Moses took his disappointment straight to God. Where do you take your disappointment? Take it to God. You know, over and over we see the Israelites failed this test. In the very next chapter, they're out in the desert again. And it says the whole community, they, they, were, they didn't have food now. And the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Now look what they said. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt... There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Really? They just sat around pots of meat, having a good time, eating all they wanted. They were slaves. They were being worked to the bone. Their, their sons were being killed. They cried out to God, we can't bear this anymore. Oh, but that was so good. Kind of like the Beatles singing, now I long for yesterday. Our relationship was so good. It was so perfect. Really? You don't even know why she left. What kind of relationship was that? I don't know why she's gone. Maybe it was something I said. Oh, that was really a fantastic, healthy relationship. But we romanticize the past, and we want to go back to the past when the present gets tough. Peter says this in 1 Peter. He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. You know, when you get disappointed with each other, Show some humility. Give some grace. Because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Can you underline that phrase, in due time? Cast all your anxiety on him. Disperse it, like throwing that stick. Because he cares for you. He cares for you. And you might not get the help you expect or want right away, but in due time, he's going to lift you up. Second thing is don't quit. Don't quit, but trust God to reverse the situation, to change it. See, it's, it's natural when we get hurt, when we're disappointed, we kind of shrink back and we want to we hide in the past or hide in this shell. And can you imagine all the people in the Bible, the disappointment they had, what if they just quit? I mean, you know how many people let the apostle Paul down? Over and over, but he didn't quit. You know the story of Joseph sold as a slave when he was 17 years old by his own brothers, sold as a slave. He was a slave and a prisoner for 13 years, but he didn't quit. He kept faithfully trying to follow God and live for him, and God, in his due time, he lifted him up. Can you imagine Jesus, all the disappointments he experienced, all the people that criticized him, misunderstood him? All he did was try to love people, point them to the truth, heal them, take care of them, point him to the truth, and people misunderstood him, turned their backs on him, and then eventually killed him. But can you imagine if he quit before he got to the cross? I mean, what if he showed back up in heaven, and the angels are like, Jesus, what are you doing here? You're not due back for at least another year. 
just so disappointed with those people. I couldn't take it anymore. I mean, all these people that went the distance. And because Moses responded correctly, look what God did. He reversed the problem. He made the water drinkable. And that's where the faith is when we cry out to God. Faith, faith pulls us forward. It pulls us into the future. It helps us to keep going. It helps us to survive today because we're looking ahead. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, To have faith is to be sure of the things we hope for, to be certain of the things we cannot see. Man, life's disappointing, but I'm sure God is with me. I'm sure he's going to help me. I'm sure in due time he's going to lift me up. Faith is forward-looking. Disappointment gets stuck in the past or the present. Now I need a place to hide away. Oh, I believe in yesterday. But God says, no, those who hope in me, don't hope in your circumstances, don't hope in your stuff, don't hope in people. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. You know, the gift of disappointment, disappointment can be a gift for us. It reminds us that this is not our home, that this is not the way things are supposed to be. Imagine if we were totally satisfied with everything in our life. We probably wouldn't think we needed God. We wouldn't even search for him, and we would miss out. And so look, the Israelites didn't give up. They didn't quit. So here they are sitting in Marah. Moses throws the stick in the water. Now they can drink it. A few days later, it says they leave. Then they come to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. There were hot tubs and golf courses. It's like they're in the resort now, right? They go from Marah to Elam. There, they made it. They, got a, they took a break there for a few weeks. Well, how far is Elam from Mara? I was wondering, how far, how far did they have to go? If you get out of Holy Land's map, you'll see that Mara to Elam is about five miles. So they wanted to quit five miles from a place where they could get refreshed and renewed. And how often do we want to quit when things get hard, when things get disappointing? We just give up. We just give up that last class in college that we have to complete our degree, or we just want to quit on our marriage, or we want to quit on our ministry, or we want to give up on our kids because things are just so hard and so disappointing and so discouraging. And God says, don't give up. And you know what? While you're going through that season of discouragement and disappointment, God's working on you if you'll just hold on to him and keep going. See, how do you get from Mara to Elam? How do you get there? Five miles, you could walk that in a day easy, even taking all your stuff, right? They had to keep going, even when they didn't feel like it. They had to keep moving ahead, keep trusting God one day at a time. Sometimes someone will come to me and they'll say, you know, I'm just, man, I'm really struggling in my faith right now. I'm not feeling it. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like going to my small group. I don't know. I just don't feel like doing anything. What should I do? So you need to keep doing those things. You need to be around people. You need to keep reading God's word. You need to keep crying out to him, even though you don't feel like it. Think about it this way. Imagine tomorrow morning you called your boss. And you said, boss, just not feeling it today. Don't know if I can sell shoes. Don't know if I can build a building today. Don't know if I can do it, guys. Just don't got it today. I mean, boss, I don't know if I got it. I'm just going to stay home a few days till I... I don't want to be a hypocrite and come in. I'm just not feeling it. What do you think your boss is going to say? Get your butt in here. Yeah, or you're fired, right? Get in here right now. I don't care. You don't live by your feelings. You live by your commitments and your convictions and your values. And you keep going one day at a time, trusting God. And that leads to number three. And while you keep going, you hold on. Sometimes you feel desperate, but you hold on because one tomorrow, 
things will be fixed. One day things will be fixed. But I, I use the word tomorrow on purpose because the song's about yesterday and staying in the past. And I want you to think about your future. One tomorrow, eventually you're going to have your last tomorrow. One day you're going to die. And the Bible says those of us who have faith in Christ, we're going to go from living here on this earth to living in heaven in God's presence. You're going to transition. And God says he's going to make everything the way it was meant to be. It's going to remove sin and its influence. We're going to live in a world we can't even imagine. But you know, it took, it took something for God to get us to that place. It cost a lot. Back in Genesis, I mean, just short time after God had created humans, they hadn't been on the earth very many generations, God looked at human beings and he said, man, look what he said. He, it, well, first he, it said, the Bible says he, was, he looked and they were always thinking about evil or doing evil. And then God looked at him and says, so the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. I mean, does that sound like a picture of disappointment? You know, you and I, when we choose to rebel against God and go our own way, we disappoint God. We break his heart. And God was, God was like, man, he was thinking about wiping humans off, off the face of the earth. But he looked and he saw one righteous man. He saw Noah. And he didn't give up. And he reworked his plan, and he had Noah and his family, and he started over. And then one day, one day in due time, the Bible tells us that God took another piece of wood, and he threw his son Jesus on the cross. Put him on the cross out of his love for you and me. He died for our sins. And why would God do that? Why would he do that for people who disappointed him so much? Because he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But you're messed up, and I'm messed up, and we can't be in his perfect heaven and bring our sin with us. And so Jesus died on the cross for us in our place so that God could take us there to be with him one day. And look what it says in Revelations 21. Love this verse, next to the last chapter of the Bible. It says, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. You and I can't even imagine a world like that. No more disappointment. No more discouragement. No more wanting to quit. Everything will be the way God intended for it to be. And right now we're here on this earth. He's, he's given us a chance to respond to him, to grow to share his love with others so that other people can go. God paid that price on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven and live with him forever. He wants to have a relationship with you. So I'm going to ask you to take just a moment. Let's bow our heads together, have a moment of reflection. You know, maybe someone's here today and you've never put your faith and trust in God. Maybe God's let you down and you're just struggling to even trust him. I just want to encourage you to talk to God right where you're at. Cry out to him. Wrestle with him. Maybe you're ready to surrender. Invite him into your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. You know, when we tell God no, he's disappointed, but he never quits. He keeps trying to reach out to you, to, to draw you to him, because he wants to be with you. Some of you walked in today, and it was all you could do to get out of bed this morning. You're so discouraged and so disappointed, and life is so hard. And I don't know what it is you're struggling with, but... Man, cry out to God. 
Just talk to God right now about that spouse or that child or that illness or that job or that rent increase or whatever it was that you're so disappointed about. Ask God to show you a solution. Ask him to help you to trust him that in due time he'll lift you up if you just keep going and holding on to him. Maybe someone's here today and you're like, man, I trusted people before. I trusted God before and I got burned and I I just can't risk that again. I can't do it. I got to live in yesterday. Well, that's not really living. That's just existing. Ask God to help heal that hurt. Father, I pray for each and every person here today, God, that they would, first of all, know how deeply you desire a relationship with them, how much you love them. God, we get mad at you, we get mad at others when we get disappointed, but help us to recognize how much we've disappointed you. Thank you for forgiving us, God, and help us to take that grace and extend it to ourselves and extend it to others. And Lord, I pray this would be a place where where people come and we fight together to help each other hold on and hang in there one day at a time, just keep going forwards. And Lord, I pray you would use this church to bring hope to people around us who are just living in disappointment, who don't see any future. Help us, God. We need you. God, we're trusting that in due time you're going to lift us up, you're going to use us, you're going to help us. And one day, God, I look forward to being in heaven with you forever. We love you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.